0: So good morning, everyone. We are continuing to look at the life of Peter. And we're not really um, trying to figure out who Peter is as much as who Jesus is through the eyes of Peter. So thank you for joining us today. And today is uh, a time when we look at Peter doing well. There's some times when he just messes up. He is shifting sand that other times he is solid rock. And that's who he is today in in our passage that we're going to be looking at. Before we get to this passage, it's in John chapter 6, and I invite you to turn there in your Bibles. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever faced uh, rejection? Uh, Let me tell you about some of the ways that that I've sensed that. Probably the biggest one in my life as a child, uh, my parents divorced and there was a time when they were kind of on again off again for about four years and during this time I always stayed with my mom but my dad would come and go and every time my dad would leave there was that sense of of him turning his back on the family and I don't know how messed up I am because of that but I'm probably pretty messed up by that 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 can really get to us uh other things, and you might think of times when when you felt that, that you were deserted or abandoned or or somebody turned their back on you. But some of the things that I remembered, um, trying out for a sports team and not making the team. I, I hate this word, being cut. You know, oh, it sounds terrible. I can remember that happening. A lot of us would, you know, experience that. How about this? Did you ever get dumped by a boyfriend-girlfriend kind of a situation? Yeah, that can hurt too. Uh, I, I think of maybe uh, someone who's been fired from a job. Oh, that, that hurts. It be very difficult. Probably one of the biggest is what my parents experienced over and over, and, and that's divorce. And I think that, that sense of, of somebody loving you and committing themselves to you and then abandoning you. Well, I want to tell you today, in our passage, that kind of hurt is faced by Jesus. Jesus was really a human being, and he felt that too. So whatever you have gone through, uh, I want you to know that Jesus felt those things too. And so we're going to be looking at that today. And I want you to know people had different responses to Jesus. In this uh, John chapter 6, we're going to be looking at just kind of key passages, and then we're going to be looking at uh, several verses near the end of the chapter. But in this passage, Jesus has just fed the 5,000, and so he's very popular right now. As a matter of fact, maybe the height of his popularity is when he feeds 5,000 men and women and children. They didn't even count him. But we know they do count, and so that they were there. This was a huge experience and event for Jesus and for the disciples, too. But what were people's responses to Jesus? Think about that. What are people's responses today to Jesus? And what were they then? It's not so different. Some in that crowd there were seeking. They were looking for something. They were they were hoping to find something that they could follow. That idea of seeking. Now I don't know if if you graduated from high school and then entered into a time of life where you were seeking. Uh, I went to college right away uh, because I I had a student deferment, and if you went to college, you got to keep your student deferment. So I was quite motivated to do that, and that was a wonderful experience for me. It helped me transition that time of life where so many were looking for the meaning of life. They were seeking. And in our story today and in our lives today, many people are still looking for something. And some people look to Jesus and they begin to follow him, hoping that he might be what they need to understand life. Now, in our passage today and really in life today, there are a lot of people whose response to Jesus is complaining. If things don't go right, they complain. Well, Jesus, why would you let this happen uh, in the, In the Bible, it says they grumbled, or there's even another word murmuring, and it's kind of this complaining, grumbling, murmuring. Are you a grumbler? or do you, you know I have mentioned before that I have the gift of criticism. Uh, it's a spiritual gift uh, to to see things that are wrong, and I'd like to think it was just discernment, but oftentimes it's complaining. It, it just is complaining that's and we love to do that even even in the church that that happens. People grumble about things. It's amazing. Another thing that happens in here in this passage and and happens over Jesus today
1: is arguing.
0: People say don't talk about religion you know in mixed company or whatever because there's arguing. This word also is translated as quarreling or uh, having a dispute with someone or downright fighting. With someone. Not, not physically fighting, but, but uh, emotionally and, and intellectually fighting. This word's also used to describe people who are striving for something. And they're, they're kind of not letting anybody get in their way. They're just going to run over people if they do get in their way. This striving. And, and so that happens in this passage. And then, worst of all, it comes to this point where actually people desert Jesus. They leave. They withdraw. And literally, they turn their back on Jesus. Now, if you've ever experienced that in your life, you know that sense and that feeling. And I believe Jesus felt that too. I believe that he was God, and yet he still had emotions. And, and he was deserted on this occasion. And we'll be looking at that in just a moment. So we think about what people's responses were to Jesus. And I want to define that a little more. And I want you to think about this too. Why did people come to Jesus? Why did they come then? Why do people come to Jesus today? Think about this. Why did you come to Jesus? Uh, No one in my family went to church when I was 15 years old and when I got invited to church for the very first time. I went to church the first time the Sunday after Labor Day. And I have missed very few Sundays since then. Uh, God changed my life. And, and I had to choose that. Many of you, perhaps, were brought to church. And and it was always a part of your life. But there had to be a time in your life when you said, too, you know, I choose to have a real relationship with Jesus, not because of my parents or my friends or whoever brought me, because I choose that, and and ask why did some why do people come to Jesus even today? Well, as we look at our scripture, the number one reason that a lot of these people came was bread, actual bread, food. Jesus fed them, and they thought, Hey, there is such a thing as a free lunch. I'm gonna hook myself onto this bandwagon. I'm gonna follow this guy around, and he'll provide lunch every day. It'll be it'll, it's kind of like the first free lunch program. Uh it's so interesting that people were seeking physical bread or food. Here's Jesus' response to them. This is John 6, verse 26. And he says this I tell you the truth. You wanna be with me because I fed you, not because you understood. The miraculous signs. And the miraculous sign he's talking about here is turning a a few loaves and a couple of fish into a meal that would serve how many people? 5,000? 10,000? Up to 15,000? And how many basketballs were left over? One for each disciple. There was 12 basketballs left over. There's all kinds of meaning for all of that. But the people saw that and they said, oh, this is great. He has fed us, and that's why they came. Every one of us needs food to sustain our physical lives. But Jesus gives more. He sustains our spiritual life, our real lives. Uh, Physical food can represent not just food, but other things that we desire uh, physically, any kind of a physical desire. Uh, Nourishment is certainly one of those, but clothing... Shelter, basic needs that we have, Uh, we we might go to Jesus for those things or seek those out in the church. Uh, Medicine, you know, we need health and all that. Uh, Sex is a physical desire, exercise, rest, any kind of a physical desire that if, if we need that met, we might seek that from Jesus. But physical food is just one part of that. Spiritual food. Jesus is going to say in our passage today, I am the bread of life. And he's not talking about physical bread. He's talking about spiritual bread. We even, when we pray, we say things like, give us our daily bread. It's part of the Lord's Prayer. Nothing wrong with praying for physical bread, the physical things of life. Uh, Those are good things. But if our focus is only on those things, and our focus is not on seeking Jesus, we are just seeking the wrong thing. And it's keeping us from the real thing, the bread of life, Jesus. So true followers, they seek spiritual food. And this spiritual food is what brings satisfaction to our soul. We are hunger Hungry and thirsty for the righteousness of God. And people will tr- find all kinds of things to try to fill that. But only Jesus can fill that that need. So they sought, number one, bread. The big other reason that they came, the second reason, was for the miracles. Uh, the signs and the wonders. Really, there wasn't that much entertainment back in those days. So Jesus comes and he starts teaching and he's teaching with real authority. So they love to go hear him speak, but he also not only provided bread, but he provided a miraculous way to have this bread. He healed people, and they were they were starving for entertainment, and this was this was like the best show around. And so a lot of people did follow Jesus just to see the signs and the wonders, uh, and and now what they ask for. Hey, you, we want physical bread, but also give us, give us miracle bread too. Give us miracles. Here is verse 30 of John 6. The people answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? Isn't that interesting? Okay, Jesus, what can you do? What can you do for me? You know, we're making this about us, not about him. And so, what can you do? Uh, you know, give us a good show here and we'll believe in you. Jesus knew that no matter how good the show, no matter how wonderful the signs and wonders and miracles, it was not going to really change people's lives. They were not really going to believe in him. There's evidence that some did, but the crowds did not, the masses did not. Here's what they go on to say. This is verse 31. After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. And the scriptures say, Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. See, the people want bread, but they also want bread from heaven. They want a miracle. They want a sign. They're looking for a spectacle. And entertainment, you know, as wonderful as it is, and we might use entertainment to distract us from what's going on around us. Don't you need a distraction from what's happening in our world today? We we look for that, and entertainment can do that. But it just distracts us for a while. It doesn't change your life. And I I think people will run after other things, pleasures. People will use drugs to kind of escape life. The problem is that after you... After you come down from that high that you get, then it's worse off because now you not only are back to reality, but you feel worse and and, and things probably are worse. So Jesus is, is explaining this to them. And look at what he says next. This is verse 32. He said, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. Now, that's very interesting because this is the first little stumbling stone for a lot of them. Jesus is equating himself as equal to God, as the Son of God, calling God his Father. And and that was the first little trouble for them. But what he's really saying is God is the source of power, spiritual power, real power in your life. God is the source of life. And, And so it wasn't Moses giving you this spiritual bread, it was God himself. And the people wanted this bread. They wanted the bread from heaven. What they really wanted was a blessing. But they didn't want to have to ask for forgiveness in order to receive the blessing. That's not the way it works. They want a blessing from God without putting their faith in God. And Jesus says, that's no way you obey all the rules, the laws, that is not going to get you to God. That's just going to keep you from doing evil. It's not going to make you very good. But I have come so that you might have life, and abundantly. Jesus goes on, verse 35. This really gets them. This causes them to really wonder about him. Because look at what he says. I am the bread of life. And he says says this as a, he's the spiritual bread. He is Modern day biblical time, manna. He is the bread from heaven. He says, Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And he's talking about having our spiritual hunger and thirst for righteousness met in the person of Jesus. So that caused them to stumble a little bit and really wonder about him. The next thing he's uh, that is a response, is is why people come to Jesus, is because they're seeking real life. What is the meaning of life? What is the abundant life that Jesus offers us? The, the, The idea that we could have a whole life, a balanced life, where spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically, we're in balance and all those things, and that happens only in a relationship with Jesus. And also, the really biggest benefit was eternal life. You have the words of life. You have eternal life. Jesus goes on. And this is verse 47. Now, in case you were noting, every time when he's saying one of these things, he says, I tell you the truth. And what he's saying is, this is the truth of God. This has not been customary for you to believe this, but I'm telling you the truth. And what people are really stumbling over is the truth. He says, anyone who believes has eternal life. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread, which I offer so the world may live, is my flesh. Whoa, this was too much for them to handle. And serious rejection is going to happen here. So, why did people desert Jesus? Why did they turn their back on him? Let's examine that a little bit. The first thing that they said was, this is a hard teaching. Have you ever had a hard teaching? Something that you were asked to do? Um let me give you an example. If you follow this diet, you will lose weight, and in 14 days, you'll have a beautiful body ready for the beach, right? A hard teaching. <laughs> but Jesus was giving some spiritual teaching that was pretty hard. Put your trust and faith in me. Believe in me. Eat my flesh. Hard teaching. And so they were complaining. Uh, why did they... Why did they reject Jesus? Because they were already complaining all about it. And they found what he was saying to be offensive. Well, sometimes the truth is offensive. We're offended by the truth. And usually we're thinking, well, my truth is that it's okay for me to do these things, to uh, not take care of my body, to use alcohol to success, to be sexually promiscuous, all these kinds of things that we want to do, we know the Bible says they're not right. And yet we make our own version of the truth, and the Bible then becomes offensive. Truth becomes offensive to us. Now, sorry if you're offended today. I hope you are. Uh, Just because you're facing the truth and maybe there are some things in your life that God needs to work through with you. I'm not here to tell you what they are. I don't know all of them by any means. I probably could sit in judgment over some of you if you'd like. I Just kidding. No, we're not going to do that. We have to leave that up to God because He actually knows the truth. He is the truth. But people, hard teaching, offensive, complaining. And now we come to this portion that I really wanted you to see today. This is John chapter 6, verses 60 through 69. And this is where we get insight into who Jesus is from Peter. Remember, we're understanding this guy Peter, who sometimes is kind of shaky and other times is, is solid. Well, this is one of the moments when he is solid. He is a rock. He proclaims the truth. Uh, He's going to mess up later, and we're going to see that in coming weeks. But he's giving us insight into who Jesus is. Let's take a look. Verse 60. Many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? Do You see what they're saying there? When you're a Christian, God will say, you need to do this in your life. Here's some truth that you need to put into practice to obey. Usually God points out our sin and says, stop doing that. Honor me with your life by, by not sinning. And he gives us the help to do that. If we continue to obey, then we get victory. We get knowledge. We get learning. And we, and we have that as part of our, of our being, our spiritual life. So what he's saying, Jesus is saying, um, okay, you're grumbling about this but it's still true. And if we're confronted with something that's in the Scripture, something the Holy Spirit reveals to us, the best thing to do is put that into practice right away. Obey obey it. Because that's where sin finds its way into our lives. In our disobedience. Not doing the things we know to do. So, uh, Jesus understands these people. They're hearing, but they're not really understanding. They're not willing to accept what he is saying to them it says that verse 61 jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining wait a second his disciples were complaining never would church people complain they wouldn't complain about the pastor or the music or the color of the carpeting why do church people still complain today these things aren't these aren't essential things Jesus is saying, you know, we better understand what's important and understand disagreement about those things is not. It's not something we need to do. And look at what he says. Does this offend you? Does the truth offend you? He says to his, now, who are these people? These are his disciples, Right? Not the 12 disciples, a whole group of others' disciples. He says, then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? Let me remind you that 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 term Son of Man is the way Jesus referred to himself. Because we understand Jesus is God. He is fully divine, but he's also fully human. And so he talked about being the Son of Man. Was Jesus the Son of Man? Well... He was the son of woman, but he was not really the son of man because he was the son of woman and the son of God. This is a hard thing to understand too. This trips people up, the virgin birth. And Jesus is using this term, son of man, saying really he's the son of mankind because he is human. God, through the incarnation, sent Jesus as a human being. So this is the term he uses for himself. And what he's saying If you see a human being going back and forth to heaven, what's that going to do for you? Well, that's what is going to happen, and Jesus realized that's going to be a stumbling block for some as well. Then he says this, verse uh, 63, The Spirit also gives eternal life. It's the Holy Spirit that's going to enable us. Human effort accomplishes nothing. How often do we choose human effort to solve our problems? We got something going on, and our first effort is human effort. We talk to other humans and see if they can solve our problem. We look to the government, which what's the government? Humans. not even some of the best ones, but they're there in, in authority. So you know and certainly, we, we need to understand that human effort is not going to save the really big issues of life. Only God can do that. And He sent Jesus to show us how. And so that's why we put our faith in Him. So, He says, the words that I have spoken to you are spirit. They're not just words. They have spiritual impact. And they have the realness of life in them. And here it goes. In verse 64, He says, but some of you do not believe Me. There's a parenthesis. And this parenthesis is actually in the, in the Bible today. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe, and they knew, and he knew who would betray him. Then he said, that is why I said to, that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. And, unless the Holy Spirit and the Father, and, and by, the, by prayer and the Spirit, are, is, are drawing people to God. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. They literally turned their back on him and walked away. Perhaps there's been a time in your life when you were following Jesus and it got a little tough and you didn't want to do what he was asking you to do, you didn't want to obey. And probably he was asking you to stop sinning in a certain way and you turned your back too. Hopefully, because you're here today or watching this, you are following Jesus now. It's not easy. Some of the things that Jesus asks us to do are hard, but he never gives us more than we can handle. With his spirit and his power, we can make it. So at this point, many of the disciples turned away. Now, it's not the 12 disciples. They're still hanging in there. But he had a lot of other disciples. The word disciple merely means a student. And these were student followers of his. And the teaching got tough, and they took off. They turned their back on Jesus. I think in this next passage, we see that this hurt Jesus. Look at what what happens next. Then he turned to the 12, and he asked... Are you going to leave? Are you also going to leave? Are you going to be like these other disciples? Are you going to leave me too? I think that lets us know that Jesus felt this. But good old Peter comes true. Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? Lord, we're getting to know you. We know who you are. Where else could we go? There is nowhere else to go. And look what he says. You have the words that give eternal life. We believe. And we know. We don't just believe surfacely. We know. We really believe that you are the Holy One of God. And that's the belief that we have to come to if we're going to really follow Jesus. If we're going to really be true disciples. Well, Yay, Peter decided to stay. He's going to mess up later. But yay, today he decided to stay. He decided to be with Jesus, even though the teaching was tough. Because he realized there was nowhere else to go. He realized that Jesus was God and that he was the only one that could teach Peter how to live now and how to have eternal life. And we too. We too must believe, we must have faith that Jesus is who he says he is. And we have to know, we must have knowledge that Jesus is the only way, that he is the truth, that he is the life. You want to know the meaning of life? Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. I am the way. I'm the truth. I am the life. And he said, no one else, no one comes to the Father except through me, through Jesus. That's the only way. Now, big finish. You should have a couple more blanks to fill in. And I want you to be sure to get these because here we go. This is what true dis- disciples do when they respond to Jesus. This is how we want to respond. And the first word is following. And notice it's not follow Jesus. It's following. It's a continuing process, an ongoing daily thing. Follow me, Jesus says, do the things that I have done. Do the things I do. And that's what we need to do. We need to look at the Bible. We need to see what Jesus did, how he loved people. And we need to do that too. He said, if you put your faith in me, you're going to do greater things than I've done. And through the church, combining together, through really seeking to be His true follower, we can do great things. But it's a continuing, ongoing, daily, moment-by-moment following of Jesus. When you're following Jesus closely, you don't get into trouble. And if you do get into trouble, He's right there with you and He's going to help you through it. That following is that first thing. True disciples also respond to Jesus by Believing. By having faith and loving Him with all of your heart. Now, notice this is not by like just believe one time you put your faith in Jesus when you were 16 years old and then everything is hunky dory from then on. No, it's a daily believing, it's an ongoing believing. It's every day, it's moment by moment, continuing to believe and have faith and then knowing. Here again, it's not just know who about Jesus or know who Jesus is, but constantly knowing and learning about Him, growing in your understanding of who He is, trusting in Him and knowing about God and really knowing God, and you really come to know yourself that way too. Because God made you. He created you. And it's not about you. It's about you becoming like Jesus. Because there's no one else, there's nowhere else, there's no one else to go to for real life. Jesus is the way. So, the question for you today is will you continue following Jesus with all of your heart? If something else is grabbing at your attention, then that thing may be sin for you if it gets in the way of you and God following Jesus with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength? And will you stay with Jesus through the good times? It's easy through the good times, but will you stay through the bad times? I can remember several times in my life when I watched someone who was a Christian, and and maybe they were a new Christian, or, or maybe they'd been a Christian for a long time, but they really weren't active in their faith, and they were kind of a baby Christian that just was, they, they just weren't growing, and, they, and so they were just going to be a baby. Hebrews talks about what a baby Christian is and needing milk fed all the time. And, and I, was, I was just amazed how often one of these people, when something tough would come along, when a crisis would happen, when a, a huge event happened in their life, and they say, well, God, where are you? And they would check it all. In that moment, they would throw it all away because their faith wasn't strong enough in the bad times. It's an amazing thing that our faith seems to grow much better in the bad times when we stay with Jesus than in the good times when we're floating along. So there's no one else to go to for real life. So will you stay with Jesus through the good and the bad and the COVID and the fires and all that's going on in your life? You'll see the bottom line here is to come to Jesus and keep coming and to believe in Jesus and to keep believing and to know Jesus and to keep learning and to keep receiving real life now and eternal life. This concludes our service, but it doesn't conclude your responsibility as a Christian. It means to be following Jesus. And the first thing I'd like for you to do is dispose of the trash appropriately. This, a moment ago, was great value. It represented the body of Christ, but we have used those elements now, and so now what remains is trash. So throw the trash in the trash and, and let the goodness of God be in and through you as you walk through this week. As, as he would point out things in your life that you need to change, uh, follow those. Be open to what he would like to do. I hope he brings the most difficult person in you that you know into your path so you have a chance to love them. Because that's what he wants for each of us. So as you go, From this place, I hope that you will go in the sure promise of being his follower, that you will not turn your back on God, but that you will follow him no matter where it leads, that you will be his true disciple. God bless you as you go, as you go in Jesus' name. Amen.